Matters from EY. Hello and welcome to the podcast from EY's UK Centre for Board Matters for non-executive directors and boards. I'm Justine Green and our focus this time is purpose and the role it plays in an organisation's culture. We're joined by a group of esteemed guests who took part in a new study by the purposeful company of purpose-driven leaders. First, John Lewis, CEO of Capita. Hello, John. Hi. Liv Garfield, Chief Executive of Seven Trent. Hello, Liv. Hello, everyone. Howell Ball, UK Chair and UK and I Managing Partner at EY. Hello, Howell. Hello, Justine. And from the Purposeful Company, it's co-chair Will Hutton. Hello, Will. Hi, Justine. John, set the scene for us. How does purpose drive a business's strategy? Well, for a purpose-led business, its strategy is if you like, the executable means by which it realises that purpose. Um, Our purpose at Capita is to create better outcomes, and this has been the comprehensive framework, if you like, by which we are executing on our transformational agenda. It shapes our values, it shapes our uh, behaviours, it shapes the types of services we will and will not provide, Uh, it determines the market segments we operate in and the suppliers we engage But I think for a a company like ours going through what is significant transformational change, it's the cultural and behavioural aspects catalyzed by being purpose-led that I think did most to ensure that we were able to execute on our strategy in the first place. Um, In other words, there's, I, I feel, an interplay between purpose and strategy. It's not unidirectional, i.e. strategy only supporting purpose, purpose of itself can also support the execution of your strategy. Um, In our case, becoming purpose-led was probably the single biggest catalyst for cultural change. Liv, how does an organisation follow through on its purpose? So I think it's through two things, isn't it? So the first thing through every single decision that you make and every long-term or short-term strategic decision you call as a board or as a senior team, I think it's analysing it through the lens of is that actually something that feels purpose-led? I think is one thing. So it's almost like the senior decision-making needs to consider it. But then I think it's in the every tiny behaviour, every small kind of content or thought process of every employee, it needs to be in their psyche, in their DNA. And that's through discussion. It's through effectively shadow that we cast as a senior team. And I think it's that two-way lens of senior big decisions and everyday small behavioural types. And I think COVID has given us the most amazing case study. I think everyone's been able to judge organisations in the last 12 months and almost categorise them. Are they heroes or zeros in some sense as to whether how they managed through a pandemic felt purpose-led or did it feel shareholder protection or did it feel commercial edge? What were those decisions? And when you reflect on it, did it feel that every single stakeholder was looked after? And did it feel like the organisation was heading toward a greater purpose or just mere short-term gain? Howell, do you think boards understand enough the difference between creating shareholder value and the purpose of a business? I think boards are are beginning to sort of much more focus on broader uh, stakeholder value uh, and how that in the long term will create sustainable shareholder value as well. So there has been this this movement um, and a tipping point probably accelerated by the crisis as well for going from stakeholder shareholder value. Uh, and then I'd echo previous thoughts mentioned in the podcast about the fact that uh, purpose then is the catalyst for that stakeholder value creation and the guiding light which ultimately delivers it. 
So uh, I think boards are beginning to understand that difference and the recognition that long-term sustainable shareholder value comes from the creation of stakeholder value through the drive of the purpose in the business. Well, I mentioned your new study of purpose-driven leaders earlier. 14 organisational leaders took part. Summarise for us why they put purpose at the centre of their companies. Um, what shone through, actually, was that it gave strategic clarity. It offers an encompassing clarity, um, which when you're running an organisation, when there's so many claims on you, uh, you know, uh, keeping your staff engaged, looking after the supply chain, making sure that um, you know, your customers are going to repeat the business. So much of running a business is about recurrent orders. You, know, you need to be able um, to say, I'm purpose-driven. And it's, it's become, a, and one of the things that um, struck me was that it was actually you know, um, far from people saying, well, it's a kind of nice thing to have an add-on. It's actually you know, um, very commercially valuable. How will your view... I mean, I think the through the, the to pick it up on through the pandemic, the the commercial value of the purpose has been um, has been sort of evidenced, and partly I say that because you know at the start of the pandemic, none of us had any idea what was going to happen, um, and having that uh, north star to help you make those decisions in that vacuum of of previous experience, previous understanding that you could bring to bear, uh, helped a lot of businesses. I think steer through those storms and again I think this year for us in terms of commercial value uh, has reflected an evidence I think to the organisation and the business that the commercial value that, that, that being driven by purpose has, has given us. I think purpose gives long-term decisions, it creates a business that has a future, it creates longevity, but also I think it creates a sense that you invest, maybe not just for the first cycle, but for the second cycle. So I actually think that when you look at the right time horizon, purpose isn't just commercially positive, it's probably commercially essential. Okay, well, our conversation continues next when we'll talk more about the role of purpose in the post-pandemic recovery. Board Matters John, when it came to organisational resilience in the face of the pandemic, how key was the understanding of purpose for Capita? It was critical and was the principal framework by which decisions were made. But um, as others have suggested, it also tested us and tested our commitment to being purpose-led in a way that uh, I doubt many other management teams will be tested uh, for another generation. Uh, We placed the well-being of colleagues at the very centre of how we would respond to the crisis, um, enabling them to work at home with the right facilities, the right ergonomic setup. We invested in employee assistance. And as a result of that, um, we saw a dramatic improvement in our client net promoter score. Uh, Our colleagues felt empowered. They felt valued. We rolled out, incidentally, the real living wage uh, through this time as well. Every employee earns not less than the real living wage today. Uh, And that really encouraged colleagues to be committed to serving our clients in a way that we hadn't seen previously. So, yeah, overall, uh, uh, there is no doubt that being purpose-led became a guiding principle for managing through what was an extraordinarily difficult period more effectively, more efficiently, and making the right decisions, I think, that we might otherwise not have done. Liv, as we adapt to more hybrid working models, what role will purpose play at Seven Trent? So I'm principally a key working organisation. I was out every single day visiting different sites, spending time with colleagues, out on treatment works, sites, depots. And actually what it reinforced for us 
is that if you are a key working organisation and you do need your people to be physically present, it's even more important that people feel protected. It's even more important that people understand that what they're doing it for is actually a greater purpose, not just in terms of what we're providing, taking care of one of life's essentials. You can't live without water, particularly not in a pandemic, but actually that the style of how the organisation is run is run and led in a manner that makes you feel proud. So for us, we've always had supportive working policies, people that needed a bit more flexibility, but we will principally still be a face-to-face organisation. And for us to solve the long-term dilemmas of climate change, biodiversity, you know, anything of that ilk, it's going to require innovation, but it's also going to require clever people brainstorming around a table. Harold, some organisations have not fared so well with the disruption we've been experiencing. Is that in part down to a less defined purpose? Tricky question to know exactly why some companies have not done so well uh, at this stage. I mean, I, I think my reflection would be twofold. First is having a purpose will have definitely helped you steer through the unknown waters of of the pandemic. So it will help you make guidance. And uh, and certainly from our reflection, that's proved commercially beneficial in, in terms of getting there. I think the other thing that's, that's happened in the pandemic is that it's shone this huge light on what organizations are doing. So that, you know, the social macro forces that we've been experiencing in the, in the run-up to the pandemic have all been deepened, accelerated with the pandemic. So people are really closely watching how organizations behave, you know, their social contract uh, in a way that I I'd certainly uh, was not necessarily the same 18 months ago. And for those that have not should we just say done the right thing during that that during that period? I think they they will have uh, had a more of an adverse reaction in a way that they probably never experienced in the past. Will, after such a testing time for many companies, which way is the pendulum swinging between business ethics and value creation? I'm not sure that um, there's a tension between business ethics and value creation. You know, it doesn't absolve you from making. A, sometimes quite difficult decisions. I mean, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to close parts of an organisation. Uh, sometimes you have to kind of, you know, brutally, ha- you have to take people out because, or make them redundant because actually that had become economically impossible to sustain. The point is, if you're purpose-driven, you try and do that in the most ethical way that you can. All right, well, to round off our discussion next, we'll look at the impact of cultural change on how organisations operate. <laughs> Investors and employees are taking a greater interest in an organisation's ethics and values. Let's ask all of you, how can boards better reflect these stakeholders' changing priorities? John? Well, I think fundamentally boards obviously need to fulfil their obligations per Section 172 of the Companies Act, which speaks to all stakeholders. But I think increasingly um, there are greater expectations of society than those defined by Section 172. We saw this in the case of, you know, colleagues' expectations of leaders um, around the events in the US, Black Lives Matter, last year. I think the bar has very much been raised with regard to the role executive leaders and boards play in terms of defining what is right, what is purposeful. Uh, and to that end, uh, you know, clearly boards need to be representative of all stakeholders. And we have put a particular emphasis on the diversity and inclusion 
of our board members. We've appointed board members um, from overseas in the last year to reflect the fact that we have you know, a significant number of employees in places like India. Um, but I think even more fundamentally, boards need to set the tone. Uh, and that means they too need to be purpose-led. They need to live our values and behaviours. And to that end, we have the expe- same expectations of our board with regard to mandatory training uh, that we have for every other colleague. We're just about to ask our board to undertake our anti-racist training, for example, um, because of the the shadow they set. And uh, I, I think setting that tone at the top uh, is not only significant for the company that they represent, but also more broadly uh, because of their role as significant leaders in society overall. Live your thoughts on this. So I love the Tortoise Index, which effectively talks about you walk the walk as you talk the talk. And it effectively maps the FTSE 100 between where you sit, between walk and talk. And I think it's a lovely description of leadership in some sense, is that we absolutely want boards, companies, chief executives, leaders, uh, to talk the talk, to be really clear, they make commitments. But actually what we really want people to do is want them to walk the walk. And I think exactly as John just outlined, setting the tone, um, living the kind of values, being the behavioural chief and realising that actually they cast the shadow that is followed by not actually FBS just in the organisation, but actually large companies, they often set the tone for corporate Britain. How will your view you know, all companies are much more aware now of what I would call this a societal contract. This is sort of re-engagement of that view. You know, for us, um, I'm, we increasingly think of it as uh, almost as our license to operate in society and, and how, how we do that. Um, how quickly those societal changes creep up on you uh, was brought home to me a year ago when uh, I was in lockdown with my uh, three sort of late teenage, young 20 boys, uh, and we had a debate when George Floyd happened. And I was getting you know, very irritated that, uh, uh, that they were saying I wasn't doing enough. And I was, I was having a comment that said, you know I'm not a racist. And the response was from all of them when they all showed me their, their blacked out phone screens that says, that's not enough, Dad, you're not doing any action about it. Um, you had to be not, it wasn't good enough to be not a racist. You had to be anti-racist. Uh, and what are you going to do about that? And, and that led us then to create a public seven-point anti-racist commitment to be held accountable to, um, uh, as Liz has mentioned already, to, to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. So that we made a public statement uh, to be um, what we would be doing to to respond to that. And I think that's a an evidence point about how societal changes are moving much faster than you realise uh, and organisations need to respond to that. And I, and I think that's also led us to look much more deeply at our diversity and inclusion and, and move into uh, a new status which is talking about a culture of equality so that you, you actually go beyond how you would measure diversity and inclusion in terms of ethnicity metrics and gender metrics, but actually to try to measure the culture of equality that you're trying to build. And finally, with the huge challenges that many companies will face over the next few years, how realistic an ambition is it to promote purpose? John? I think given the expectations of society going forward, I think it would be very challenging for companies to be maximally successful were they not to commit to being purpose-led. I think it is increasingly going to become the norm. Yeah, purpose used to be quite a bold new word a couple of years ago. To be purpose-led felt like you were at the vanguard of something. 
I think now it's become very much the accepted way that the best companies will do business. It's not every company right now is purpose-led, but I think it's like electric vehicles. A couple of years ago, you knew one friend that had an electric vehicle. Now, every single person that buys a car is buying an electric vehicle. I suspect that's going to be the same as you watch new corporate direction set in post-COVID Britain. Is purpose will be at the heart of most and soon all companies. I think for a large people business, it, it is going to be essential. I cannot tell you how many times when you're interviewing and trying to recruit top talent, they uh, are grilling you on the purpose, your purpose, uh, your, the organization's purpose and uh, and how you're evidencing that. Uh, so in terms of attracting and retaining the top talent to succeed in the future, um, it's vital. Will? So, you know, there's more to do. Um, we've, got to, we've got to grow this. But I do think that emerging from the pandemic, um, wherever you sit on the political spectrum, um, if you want a dynamic um, British business sector, I think that the more purpose-driven it is, the more likely you're going to get that outcome. Whether you want levelling up, whether you want innovation, you need purpose-driven organisations. Uh, and I think it's something around which we are going to see, uh, I, I hope we're going to see, um, kind of more, more unity. Okay, well, thank you very much to all of you for taking part in our podcast. It's been a fascinating conversation. John, thank you. You're welcome. Liv, thanks to you. You're very welcome. Howell, thank you. Delighted to have taken part. And Will, thank you. Thank you. And if you found our discussion helpful and you'd like to find out more, please email neds at uk.ey.com. That's neds at uk.ey.com. Do join us again soon for another episode. And in the meantime, from me, Justine Green, and all our guests, thanks for listening and goodbye. Board Matters, back soon.